Hello, Internet. That is that really <laughs> the intro that you want? Yep. Okay, we're keeping it. Good. Welcome to Fuck Me Dead, the podcast that brings you the stories from Australia and his buddies that just make you say, fuck me dead. Says here next, we say our names. Well, I feel like the people should know who we are. Who are you? I, I'm Amanda. Who are you? I'm CJ. <laughs> so I guess since this is the first episode, we should probably say something about what this podcast is about. Yeah? Yeah, probably. Uh, sounds I, fair. <laughs> I thought it was in the title, but... I mean, it is, but let's elaborate anyway. Yeah. So basically, our episodes will be in the format of we both pick news stories. We don't know the stories that the other person has picked. And we kind of did that because we wanted the reactions to be genuine. Um, so I have no idea what CJ's picked today and he has no idea what I've picked. Yeah. And I guess basically we're just trying to pick the weirdest shit we can find. And by buddies we mean so mainly New Zealand and Papua New Guinea. And that's because of... Well, you're not actually Australian, are you? No. No. So. <laughs> I've lived in those other two places, though, and lived here most of my life now, I guess. So, yeah. And to be fair, New Guinea used to be part of Australia, and Australia wishes New Zealand was a part of it, so. I mean, at the moment, for sure. Mm. <laughs> so. Well, technically, New Zealand used to be part of New South Wales. Really? Yeah, it was actually considered New South Wales until we gained our uh, independence. I actually didn't even know that. <laughs> okay, so it all makes sense somehow. <laughs> together. So you were born in New Zealand, right? Last I checked, yes. And last you checked, and grew up in Papua New Guinea. Yes. Okay, I feel like Papua New Guinea would be different. I suppose so. <laughs> if there's anyone living uh, listening from South Africa, it's a lot like that. I mean, I don't know what that's like either. So. <laughs> it's a bit like New Guinea. Since I've only lived in Australia my entire life. So. It's just like, it's develop, It's a developing nation. Most people are living in poverty or in like still like villages and grass huts and shit. And if you're not part of the local population, you're probably considered wealthy. And to be fair, right. I guess like compared to most people there, yeah, we were. Uh, so we're living behind like razor wire fences and rape gates and bars on our windows and... What the fuck is a rape gate? It's an internal metal door that locks off the bedrooms from the rest of the house so that even if people do oh break in, God. they can't get to your bedrooms. I didn't even know that that was a thing that existed. Yeah, so we call it a rape gate. It's a security gate, but everyone calls it a rape gate because it's not Well, I mean, I have to feel like if it's just designed to keep people from the bedrooms, then that was the intention. I mean, if you're people. a guy, it'll probably be a murder gate. Well, is it? <laughs> yeah. um, although one of the houses... I went to once. The rape gate locked off the master bedroom, but the kids' bedrooms were still outside. Oh, no. And they locked it every night, apparently. What the fuck? Oh, my God. That's awful. <laughs> Thanks, Mum and Dad. Jesus Christ. Okay. I feel like uh, New Zealand's not that, like, foreign to me. I feel like... No, I, it really... I would know what New Zealand is like, but... It's kind of like... Different. I use this example a lot, especially for foreigners, is New Zealand is Australia's Canada. Yeah. And it's that sort of thing where, like, they're really similar... Especially in the distance, you look at it as like an outsider, like this is fucking same country. Mm. But they've got their own unique differences once you go between them, I guess. Probably got slightly off track there, but that's mm-hmm. okay. Um, before we start, I'm just going to apologize for my voice up front. We've been waiting to record this like over a week for me to get over this cold, but it's still hanging around, so I sound a bit nasally. I'm a bit self conscious about it. Whatever, we're doing it anyway. I mean, if you didn't mention it, no one would probably know. I know, though. <laughs> They'd be like, that's just what she sounds like. 
Oh, God. And then the next episode, they'd be like, oh, they must have replaced her with a new cast member. <laughs> or she just got like, um, what's that thing inside your nose? Um, a deviated yeah. septum or whatever. Oh. I just got that fixed. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, <laughs> who wants to go first? You want me to go first? Yeah. I'm pointing for those at home. I was going to say, podcasting is an audio medium. <laughs> they can't see you pointing. I'll narrate it next time. <laughs> CJ points his hand outward to Amanda. <laughs> okay, so my first story. Actually, all of my stories today, it was totally by accident, but they're all from Melbourne. That's where we live. That's where we live. So um, I guess maybe I was just a bit more drawn to those stories. I don't know. All three of them that I've got today are from Melbourne. Um, and this is a wild ride. I got this story um, from the Daily Mail Australia, uh, and it's by Cindy Tran. Professional psychic Sunita Singh, Sunita, is that how I would say that? Probably. Um, had to move out of her childhood home in Melbourne after experiencing poltergeist-like activity in the house for four years. I'm not sure I would last four years. Why is there any ghosts now if she's been there since childhood? Ah, mm-hmm. it, it explains that. Did she do murder? She did not do a murder. This has nothing to do with murder. Okay. Sunita decided to move back into her childhood home after her father died in 2002 with her husband and three children. However, they didn't experience any paranormal activity until her husband moved out in 2010. I wonder if, I mean, if we're, we're taking this story um, at face value, if maybe the poltergeist was afraid of men. Mm. And once all the grown men were out of the house, that's when it was like, here is my chance to Be do spoopy. some shit. Yeah. Let's just freak these people out. Wasn't this also at the height of the paranormal activity movies? 2010. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. I mean, she's a professional psychic. So you you would probably assume that if there was any like activity like that previously, that she would have picked up on it. Yeah. Um, but nothing until her husband moved out. Does so, it happen at night? Um, not all of it. Because but a lot of it. psychics are weak to dark type. Oh, my God. Pokemon reference? Seriously? Mm. <laughs> But no, you're right, Rosa did happen a lot. <laughs> I knew so, it. Maybe. Um, once her ex-partner wasn't in the house anymore, this is when Sunita and her children began to have experiences that they couldn't quite explain. So I've got a list of a few of the things that they experienced in the four years that they lasted in this house. Um, so a couple of the things were they would wake up in the middle of the night to find a figure standing at the end of their beds. I'm sorry, if that happened to me, I would burn the house down. Just no. Could just be sleep paralysis. It could be. There's a couple of these things where I thought it kind of did sound like um, night terrors or something like that, but who knows. Um, Her eldest daughter, who was 11 at the time, claimed that a figure pushed a bookcase on top of her after threatening to kill her. Okay. That sounds a bit more (laughs) poltergeisty. They would wake up with scratches on their necks and ankles and bruises all over their bodies. So I've got a quote uh, from Sunita, she said, uh, taking the stairs was very terrifying. We kept thinking someone was hiding under there, so we avoided going up or down at night. We felt like there was someone who was going to grab our ankles. We were constantly being woken up at night, and we'd see shadows out of the doorways. We were feeling unsettled. That stuff kind of sounds to me like they were already scared. Yeah, and they're just putting it in their head. Yeah, so then they're thinking, oh my god, we can't go down the stairs, someone's going to grab us. Or they kept seeing things out of the corner of their eye, because they already... They're already thinking, oh my god, there's something in the house. Yeah. Does that make sense? You're just kind of working yourself up and getting more scared? I would definitely do that, for sure. I'm terrified of this stuff, so... Mm. If there was even, like, a hint of something, I would definitely be doing this. <laughs> um, there was a couple of other things. Uh, so she said that she woke up and felt like she was struggling to breathe. That, to me, sounds like night terrors. 
Sounds like sleep paralysis. Or that. Um, so I'm not not entirely sure if that's a... I mean, it could be, I guess, if you're inclined to believe that kind of stuff. But there was another thing where she woke up one morning and noticed her face appearing in a mirror. Now, I have a photo of the mirror. Yeah, if the mirror's foggy and you defog it, your face will appear in it. I can't see a face. Okay. I'm going to be... Oh, there's a photo. I, there's a photo. Okay. I cannot see a face. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show it to you. We'll probably post it on Twitter. But just tell me if you can see a face in there. Mm. I can't really see one. If I squint, and like, maybe, like, if these bits here are eyes and it's got long hair... I could kind of see the hair, but everything yeah. else in the middle. I, I wouldn't look at that immediately and go, there's a face. No, like I looked at that and went. That's it, just a dirty mirror. It looks like someone has rubbed it. That That's what it looks like to me. Like many times over time. Does it actually say that? Does it just say this is the mirror or is it, this is the photo of the face? This is the photo of the face. In the article, she did say that sometimes, like depending on who she asked, some people would say, I don't see anything. But other people go, oh my God, that's terrifying. So I don't know. I can't, mm. I can't see it personally. I think um, we'll put that on the Twitters. But uh, I guess maybe you see what you want Not to the see. podcast, look us up on Twitter, go <laughs> let us know. Um, yeah, I'd be interested to hear if anyone else actually thinks that that looks like a face, just because personally it looks like nothing to me. We won't judge you if you think there's a face there. No, I, I, want, I actually want to know if people see a face in there. If you do see a face, outline it with a pen or something. Yeah, so I can see it, because okay. I want to see the face. I just can't. <laughs> I see faces every time I look in the mirror. Really? <laughs> so after suffering all of this stuff going on in the house for four years, they sold the property and moved into a new home. Um, after the move, she said that she felt a positive shift in energy immediately. So I guess whatever feelings she had were attached to the house. Mm. And it didn't follow her, I guess is the other side of that. So uh, a quote from her is, um, I look back now and ask, why didn't I just sell the house? But at the time, I just didn't realise how bad it was until we moved out and we got perspective. What do you mean perspective? You would have lived without a haunting beforehand and know what it was like. I guess the thing that I got out of this was that she was saying that they had lived in the environment where they were scared for so long that they kind of forgot what it was like. I suppose so. To not be scared. I just don't understand if they were that terrified every single night. How the hell did you survive four years? That's a long time. I mean, think about women who stay in domestic... Violent situations. I think this is a little bit different. It's the same thing where it's like for on the outside, the answer is so easy to just like, just leave, but they can't. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's a little bit different though, because you have another person there who's gaslighting you and yeah. convincing you that you're the crazy one. So that's a little bit different, I think. Whereas this is just these people living in a house that they believe has a poltergeist and that poltergeist is terrorizing them. Mm. <laughs> so I don't understand why you just wouldn't leave. You just got to make a pot with it and then you're fine. I haven't so, seen that movie. Do you do you feel like there really was a a ghosty? No, I think they saw paranormal activity, got <laughs> scared of it, convinced themselves of one event, and then just let their minds run wild and scared themselves for four years. Do you think there's any validity in the fact that she's a professional psychic? No. No? Do you not believe in that, or do you just mm, not? No. You don't believe in psychics? Or you're sceptical? I'm definitely very sceptical, um, but... There is a history of it in the family as well. I was going to say, you have told me multiple things that you have seen that I'm like, no. Yeah, but it's different. What do you read? It's different. It's different. That story you told me once about seeing feet in front of you, that was terrifying. It's different. 
Tell the story. <laughs> um, so when I moved into my last place before here, um, usually when I move into a new place, I just... You know what it's like. You move into a new place, it's different, it's weird. You see things for a while. Yeah. I didn't see any here. They were the first people to live in this one, so... So, yeah. Maybe. I don't want to know if you do this. <laughs> Never tell me. I will be terrified forever. Um, so I was standing in my bedroom of that house on my phone. Mind of my business standing up. I think I was halfway to my computer. got distracted by something on Twitter or something. And I'm just sitting there on my phone, looking down at the floor behind my phone, and these feet and legs appear up to the knees. And I just look up, and as I look further up, it disappears, and that's all I saw. I would just cry and scream and never return to that place ever again if I see it. I also used to get really bad sleep paralysis in that house towards the end, actually. See, I have a story about that as well, is that I used to live um, with someone's family whose house I fully believe was haunted. Yep. They had really bad sleep paralysis where it felt like someone was sitting on their chest. Yep. Moved from that house, never experienced it again. Mm. That can't be a coincidence to me. Like, I believe in uh, spirits and that kind of thing. I think people linger sometimes. I don't know if I believe in psychics, though. I think a lot of them are just trying to earn a cheap dollar. And I think that's the reason why, is that I feel like sometimes, not all, obviously, but, like, sometimes there are people who just try and take advantage of other people's loss or whatever. And I think that's kind of what makes me think, oh, I don't know if that's... I will say, going back to, like, say, my family on my mother's side, I don't know much about my dad's side, there are several people there who claim to be psychics and mediums, but I'll also admit some of them have also been in institutions... Right. That said, one of them who didn't go to an institution used to read tea leaves. Okay. She gave my mother a tea leaf reading once, and my mum said it was pretty accurate, so... I don't but know. I she's do... never told me what the reading was, or exactly what the events were, so I have no context. I don't know. That. Like, my grandmother once had a tarot card reading that was scarily accurate, pretty much. I think that was everything but one thing that she predicted come to pass, so I think that there are some but What people... were the predictions, though? Um, well, she picked... Well, it's kind of... Personally, I guess. Okay, yeah. But um, we were going through a court case at the time. She told yeah. us what the outcome would be, even though we didn't tell her we were going through one. Um, there was some stuff about, like, family and that sort of thing. All of it came true. There was one thing about my nan taking a trip, which never happened. Um, but that was it. Mm. So the trip one, I feel like, might have been a bit general, but everything else was scarily accurate. I think there are people who have gifts. I'm just not sure I'd put them under the term psychic. Does mm. that make sense? I don't know. But I do feel like that was not a poltergeist, in my personal opinion. Just from reading that article and her quotes, it just sort of more seemed like maybe their imaginations got the better of them. I think so. For a a lot of it, anyway. Maybe there was, like, one thing that happened that they couldn't explain, and then it was a bit like, oh, (gasps) my God, it's haunted. Yeah. We'll move on to my first story. (laughs) So my first story is I'm actually hitting the trifecta today. I'm doing a story from Australia, New Guinea, and New Zealand. Whoa. Okay. Awesome. Starting in New Guinea. It's actually possibly the anniversary of this happening, 20 years ago. Details are a bit sketchy. It's very hard to find set sources. It was big news at the time. Um, But 20 years ago in developing nation, internet there's never been so good, so hard to find information on it. Sources say anywhere between the 16th, so actually tomorrow, until the 23rd of December this event took place, 1999. Uh, It's known as the Millennium Heist, and it's probably Papua New Guinea's most famous robbery crime. So, in the lead up to... So, it's their most famous crime. I've never heard of it. Well, yeah, I'm not surprised. (laughs) Leading up to the end of the 1900s, or the millennium, uh, a lot of gangs in New Guinea started challenging each other somehow to pulling off the heist of the century. 
The heist of the century? Yep. Okay. And I, I look at this, I'm like, no, this wouldn't be the heist of the century, but giving within context of New Guinea, certainly the most impressive attempt in New Guinea. Yeah, so in New Guinea, gangs are known as, like, rascals. They call their gangs rascals? Everyone, yeah, if you're in a gang, you're a rascal. That is the cutest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Not like <laughs> rascal, like the bar rounding rascal. More like it's, no, it's, I'm more thinking it, like the little rascals. It's sort of derived from that, but rather okay. than being like like the word rascal, the English word is it's spelled differently, and it's the pigeon version is rascal, spelled oh, with K and no okay. L. Usually it refers to pretty much any type of criminal. It's a rascal kind of thing. Okay. Uh, but gang members are uh, you see them called like rascal gangs and stuff like that. That is just like the. The, the cutest way I've ever heard anything <laughs> described in relation to gangs. Yeah, but you don't want to mess with these guys. I mean, I imagine that's probably the case. <laughs> so when you just hear that, it just it sounds... So um, I couldn't find one single good source on this. So I've got my information from an old couple of old blog posts on something called the Pacific Island Report. A desert news from Utah, US. So a. hang on, wait, wait, wait. So there's a paper in Utah that's reporting on this, but nothing locally. It's hard to find. I think if I went on to the post-career, I could probably find it, but I think you would have paid to view their old articles. Uh, and then a YouTube video from a TV show called World's Toughest Cops. Okay. Uh, the show is kind of corny and cheesy, but it turned out to be quite a reliable source, and they actually interviewed one of the policemen who was there on the day called okay. David Terry, and he retold the story. So I figure he's probably quite a reliable source. Since he was there. Since he was there. Yep, okay. Although some of the things he said don't line up with what most of the articles would say. I, I think sometimes, I don't know if anything, like, if you've ever read a few news articles when, like, a big event happens, yeah. they're not all the same. Yeah. Which is weird, but they just aren't. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the plan was to stage the robbery of the century. And um, their target was the BSP Bank, right in the smack bang middle of downtown Port Moresby, which is the capital of Papua New Guinea. And it was conducted by five men, although possibly four. I don't know if the five men counts the helicopter pilot or not. The helico- they have a helicopter? They stole a helicopter. Okay, impressive. So the plan was, steal the helicopter, land it on the roof of the bank, go in, get the money, fly away. I mean, as robbery plans go, it's not the worst I've heard. Um, however, because of all the build-up to this crime of the century kind of thing, people knew something was going to happen. So people outside of the gang knew what was happening? Like the, the police knew something was going to happen. Right, okay. Everyone knew that the target was the bank. They just didn't know who was going to come and when. Right, okay. So some sources say there were undercover police inside the bank. Others sounds like it was just like there's always just a policeman at the bank anyway. Right. Um, yeah, so about just before lunchtime, sometime between now and the 23rd of December, or 16th to 23rd of December, yeah. I think most sources put around the 17th, 1999, Pacifica helicopter comes and lands on the roof of the BSP bank in Port Moresby. Were there people working there at the time? Yes. The bank How weird would that be? Full. You just like at work at the bank and then you hear a helicopter land yep. on the roof. Yep. <laughs> uh, so the gunmen went inside through the roof. Helicopter, leaving the helicopter up there, obviously, with four or five gunmen enter the building. They get inside and, again, I can't even find sources on whether or not they actually got money or not. I want to say no, because if you watch the video in the footage, I don't see any bags of money in the helicopter. Right, okay. So, for whatever reason, they get inside the uh, bank. The gun, the policemen inside are like, no, nah, we're fucking waiting for this. They pull their guns, shoot out the tails. And it's New Guinea, so they would have been carrying anything from, like, a couple of pistols to proper, like, M16 assault rifles. Like, it would have been... They, these aren't small arms we're dealing with. So, the robbery's a failure. They're like, no, nah, fuck this. They go back up onto the roof. Okay, so they all survived and get back in the helicopter? All the guys get back in the helicopter. All the robbers get in the helicopter. Okay. And they're going to fly away. 
Um, so they're flying away. They're trying to take off. The policeman inside, the the best source I have is, the guy, the cop who was in the bank who shot and fired. According to David Terry, it was one guy in the bank. So only one of the robbers came into the bank? No, no. One policeman in the bank. Oh. Oh, okay. He found it off the cops. But others also say there was multiple. I don't know. It's very vague. He runs out, takes out his shotgun, and starts firing it at the helicopter. Okay. Others also say there are already multiple police by this stage outside as well. They all start shooting at the helicopter. Takes it down. The helicopter is now spiraling through the town, drops 80 feet down into a street further down the harbour, probably about maybe 100 metres away from the roof of the, heli- of the roof of the bank. They all survive. How? The helicopter spirals down, almost hits a building, crashes into a street, which I have driven down. Um, <laughs> everyone survives, including the pilot. Now, the pilot has nothing to do with this. He was held at gunpoint and forced to fly the helicopter. Right, so okay. they went to, first off, they went to the international airport in Port Moresby, held this man at gunpoint, got them to put, to fly the helicopter for them and land it on the bank. And now they're like, now you have to fucking fly us away. So this poor helicopter pilot is being abducted, forced into a robbery, and oh, now he's no. been shot down. Um, so it crashes into yeah, the ground. Work. Yeah, the police have already like followed on the street. Uh, the helicopter pilot, thankfully, he manages to get out and get away, and they take him to safety. You can see him in the video. I can't tell if he's Papua New Guinean, Asian, Caucasian, or a mix. Okay. Uh, it's hard to see from the footage, because it's old, like, 1999 camera footage. It's not great quality. Yeah. Uh, but he gets away. Looks terrified. Can understand it. Yeah, definitely. Um, apparently, also, they were wearing military uniforms, the criminals. So the gang members were wearing military uniforms. Yeah, but they think they were stolen, or one of them at least was ex-military. So he probably, like, stole, stole some uniforms. from his buddies. Yeah, but I mean, it's not uncommon for the military and the police in New Guinea to have a shootout with each other anyway, so. Uh, but these guys weren't military, they said. they One of them was actually already known. They were all known to the police already, like okay. these rascal members. One of them had recently, a few weeks earlier, been wanted for firing at a police helicopter. So they may have tried this before. Possibly, I don't know what they like were thinking. Been why like, he was shooting? Maybe he was like, "I'll shoot this helicopter down, and then we can fly it." Bad plan because it would crash. But well, yeah, but could have been unrelated. Maybe he's just like bugger off, police. It just seems like a coincidence that they were shooting a helicopter. helicopter. Yeah, yeah. So they survived the sixty foot drop. Uh, so what happens then is we've got this is where I think it must have only been four people, five including the helicopter pilot. Okay. Because according to David Terry, three of them get out of the helicopter and start running down the street. And they instantly like they come out guns blazing, having a gunfight. Oh my the god! So it's like police. a shootout in the street. Yeah. And everyone's carrying assault rifles. Oh my god. That's um, the police gun down three of them instantly. Dead. Um, we will... I'll link to the video, but I will advise, it doesn't hold back. You will see dead people. You'll see a lot of blood. It's... I mean, front page news had, like, one of the guy's heads open. Seriously? Yeah. Oh my god. So, if you want to watch it, it's there. It's from, like, 14 Shit to 20 minutes. crazy in 99. Show still whatever. Like that. It's still like that, you need to show whatever. I've told you the story before of the guy who was, like, went crazy and started eating his baby and walking down the main street in a town in New Guinea. What, and they actually, like, showed... Yeah, multiple photos just on the front page. You can go see it. Oh, my God. It's really bad. He's just I don't walk- want to see that. It's like a guy walking down the street with a movie-sized popcorn box eating popcorn, but it's his kid. Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah, it's a bit fucked up. Anyway. Jesus, okay. Uh, so, to quote David Terry here, he said, The boys were using very high-powered weapons. One of them survived, but because of the high-powered weaponry used, he died on the way to the hospital. Uh, there's footage of him, like, locked up in a cage for a while, so I don't know how quick they were at actually wanting to get him to the hospital. Pretty standard as far as New Guinea police work goes, though, I suppose. He's a criminal. We don't really care. We'll take our time. But still, wouldn't you would think that they'd want him alive to question him. 
Or do they not care? Well, why? They already caught them. I guess. They knew what was coming. They knew why they were doing it. You don't know. <laughs> they could be like other gang members who have other plans. I would think it'd be in their best interest to keep them alive, no? Nah, just shoot them. Okay. <laughs> and then he also quotes, and this is, a, this is an interesting take that I thought was quite funny. He said, they asked him, like, have you ever seen anything like that before? And he's like, no, not in my entire career. Quote, it looked like a war zone or a terrorist attack, like what you see in London or America, which I thought was really okay. funny for, like, this really developing nation where, like, crime and shit happens all the time and there's, like, a lot of gun violence and stuff. And he's like, oh, it was like what I see on the news in America or London during a terrorist attack or a war zone. And I was Jesus. just like, that's a bit... But, I mean, that's, yeah. that's kind of, I feel, like, bad for them that that's the norm when there's a crime. That one was a bit of a special case, he's saying to him. He, oh, I thought, okay. So he's I thought it was saying... weird that he was like, it looked like a terrorist attack in London or America kind yeah. of thing. When I would think most people would look at those countries and go, oh, thank goodness the violence in my country is nothing like in New Guinea. That's actually a really good And point. he's like, it's like these events. Because obviously yeah. the interview was years after the fact. So this was, I think, after the London train bombings right, whenever yeah. that was 2007. Of course, we had 9-11 two years after it and things like that. So Actually, one of my friends was in London on public transport that day. It's mm. terrifying to think about. Fun. Anyway. Yeah, um, so that is the Millennium Heist of Papua New Guinea. That's a crazy story. I, I feel like the plan wasn't like terrible, but it's still a pretty big uh a pretty if big idea. If it was idea. only one cop inside the bank when they went in and they all fled, I'm like, there was four of them and only one of him. Yeah. They really must have been expecting it, so You you have to wonder how they would like get their information. Did they have an insider? You probably. Um and then also it's a bit weird, like you'll have rascal gang members who are actually policemen. It's a very corrupt place. Okay, that's they're not known. When the police find out, they will, like, arrest them and kick them out. And Okay. But it does happen. It's, like, corruption and stuff. They get paid off or whatever. So is it, like, one of those things where it is just a greedy thing where they want money? Or is it, yeah. like, they've joined the police force to be on the other side? Possibly. Yeah. Okay. So. That's scary. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you watch all of the video, they go into one of New Guinea's most wanted men. And they capture him during the video footage. Okay. That's a different story from a different time. This guy called William Capris, I think his name was. Yeah. Maybe we should link it. Yeah, I'll link the video. It's an interesting watch. And they're talking, they actually interview another guy. He's the leader of the Rascal Gang 007. He says gang's name was. 007? Yeah. Like Bond? Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's very eye me talking to him. They're like, he's like, yeah, no, we'll just shoot them. I don't care. We'll, we'll kill them. They're like, have you ever killed one? He's like, no, not not yet. I've tried, but it hasn't. They survived kind of thing. <laughs> oh my God. Like, this is a weird interview. But, yeah. Yeah. That's beginning. Oh, part of the beginning. Well, that's mildly terrifying. Um, <laughs> Do you want to go? To Papua New Guinea. Mm. Um, I remember your mum begging me to not go. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know how I'd feel about going. It's different now, slightly. It's 20 years ago. It's fine. You're shaking your head. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I guess it's my turn. Yeah. This story is a bit weird, but when I first read it, I was like, this is bananas. Like, exactly, like, why? I just don't understand. Anyway, I also got this from the Daily Mail Australia. <laughs> Louise Ailing? Louise Ailing, that's what I'm going to say. There are plans to open a new commercial development in Melbourne's eastern suburbs, a building which will contain both an 183-room hotel and a Bunnings. Is that all it's got? Yes. Is it a tourist hotspot? No. <laughs> so how many? What? 180? 183-room hotel and a Bunnings. And that's all it is? Yes. And it's meant to be a what? An entertainment building? It's a commercial development. Where? Melbourne, Melbourne's eastern suburbs. So, Doncaster is what it says later in the uh, in the article. Who the fuck? Yeah, no, this, this is what I'm saying. Like, why on earth would this ever be an idea? I, I genuinely do not understand. Have a look at Doncaster even technically really is. It's near where I used to work. Yeah, if I was supposed Why do we need a 183-room hotel out there? Okay, on so, top of a Bunnings? I don't, yeah, th- th- this is what I'm saying. <laughs> 
The construction will include a $70 million McCure Hotel with a restaurant, dining fitness center, and a sun deck, and a $90 million two-story Bunnings. Two-story Bunnings? So the Bunnings is going to take more money to construct than the hotel. How do you have a two-story Bunnings? Or is it because the buildings are technically always two stories, but they're always just empty on the inside? That I don't know. Um, I do have a photo of the, like, model for what it's going to look like, and it's weird. (laughs) What the fuck? Yeah, I'll definitely post that on Twitter because I'm just like, this is odd. You know what it looks like? Two different parallel universes collided. <laughs> and one's is a Bunnings, and another is this McCure Hotel, and they got stuck together. I don't really have any explanation as to why. Like, out of all of the things that you could put below a hotel, why would it be a Bunnings? I'm just thinking of this location for the hotel. I can't imagine there's that much demand for a hotel that large out there. It does sort of go into that a little bit, but okay. I just think that if you are going to create a combined commercial thing... Why would it be Bunnings? Yeah, why wouldn't it be like a small shopping centre? Yes. Something that would actually be for the tourists that you're trying to attract. I feel like a Bunnings being below a hotel. Well, they got really excited in England recently when the Bunnings first opened there. Maybe? Maybe? I don't know. It's just, it's a very. But I can't imagine there's thing. a big market for people to travel to the, the other side of the stuff. world to fucking middle of nowhere, suburbia, Melbourne. Yeah. To go to a hardware store. I, I, I just, I don't understand. If it. you're from overseas and want to visit a hardware store, let us know. <laughs> Yeah, we need to know. Is that something you want to do on your holiday? <laughs> Fuck, man. i got to go to Bunnings. I fucking love timber. Hey, you would smell the sausages cooked all the time, though. Maybe just, like, nip down, get a snag. Could happen. No. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so in addition to the commercial construction, there's also going to be another building very close by that is going to be 160 residential apartments. They think the Bunnings is for them. Even more reason why isn't a small shopping centre. Yeah, I, I genuinely don't understand why a Bunnings. Mm. Like, I get it. Australians love Bunnings. Like, it makes sense. It doesn't make sense that you'd put it underneath a hotel. Especially because apartments are less likely to have uses for Bunnings as well. Yeah. Because they don't have, like, yards or garages. And or... they're probably going to be rentals because they'll be all yeah. bought up by, like, foreign investors and boomers. I was going to say, if it's a McCure, I've lived in a McCure apartment before. Definitely all renters. Because what happens is the McCure opens apartment buildings, but they're still owned by McCure. Uh, so you're so renting them rent. through them, right. if that makes sense. Uh, so definitely all leasing. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Um, so the development has already been approved uh, by the council, and construction has already begun. Began or begun? Begun? Began? Begun. Begun? Begun? Began. <laughs> and construction has already begun. Began. And the story that I found was dated the 13th of this month. So it's definitely started. Today. We're recording on the 15th of December for anyone interested. The, the 15th of what? December. December? Yeah. What the fuck is December? It's the Santa month. Oh my god, okay. <laughs> so I've got, I've got two quotes. I've got a quote from the Bunnings Acting General Manager. Um, and he said, We are always looking at opportunities to innovate the design of our stores, and we have a number of different formats that cater for the local markets where we operate. That makes also no sense to me. So I used to do security work, and we did the security for Bunnings. Mm-hmm. Some of those Bunnings, their alarms go off all the fucking time. All the time. Birds get stuck in there. They're huge stores. Yeah. Like, it's going to be a nightmare for I mean, it's hotel. essentially a warehouse, or what they usually are anyway. Well, isn't their full name Bunnings Warehouse? Is it? Oh, yeah. The yeah. singing of the ads. <laughs> um, so I've also got a quote from a cause Pacific Chief Operating Officer, who obviously owned McCure. Um, With the Victorian government focused on decentralizing business outside of the CBD, 
Doncaster has been identified as a growing pocket of Melbourne in need of new hotel supply. We are delighted to construct this flagship McCure in the heart of Doncaster, our first ever hotel built atop of a Bunnings warehouse. Shocked to hear that's the first time it's been happening, Don. Well, that was a sentence. Do you want to try it again? Nah, we'll leave it in. Leave it? Okay. They can all know that I'm <laughs> what I is. Yeah, it is quite shocking that it's the first time that this idea has ever come up. No, it's not. <laughs> it's just, um... It's just the weirdest thing I think I've ever heard. I would have loved to have been in that meeting and, like, heard the reasons why it was a good idea. The only thing I could think of is I think that the Bunnings is going to service the surrounding burbs. The Bunnings makes sense to me. It Like, build a Bunnings. Cool. I get it. Don't put it at the bottom of hotel. Yeah, the hotel, I don't understand. Doesn't make any sense. All I can understand is that, like, what I reckon's probably happened. The hotel wanted the land, the Bunnings wanted the land, and the council's like, fuck it, you can pay us both. <laughs> and we'll stick you on top of each other. And they've just been like, yeah, all right. <laughs> whatever. Because the Bunnings is probably like, well, fuck it, the hotel will go out of business, and the hotel's just fucking probably stupid. Then they'll probably just become residential farmers. Uh, so while Accor and Bunnings are excited about the unique construction, the locals, they're not happy. Oh. I can't, that'd be the bloody biggest structure out there in Doncaster, wouldn't it? Um, I mean, I, I used to work in, in parts of Doncaster, um, and I mean, it's just, it's burbs. Like, mm. do you know what I mean? It's like Western Sydney or something. Mm. Like, it's, it's just deep in the burbs. They're not happy at all. And I've got some quotes from the Manningham Leaders Facebook page, which is a newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ben, he's, he's not happy. Uh, he says, someone needs to answer for all this unbridled development. So much more traffic congestion in the area. Meanwhile, the council keeps issuing parking fines. One does not have to do with the other. <laughs> yeah. He's just mad. But he's, he's, he's mad about the parking I'm fines mostly, I think. I don't know how old he is. I, yeah, I don't know. Um, but he's mostly mad about the parking fines, I think. And it, to that, I might just don't break the rules. Yeah. You won't get one. Yeah. But anyway. But he's mad about the traffic. It's going to cause traffic. Uh, so I got another quote from, uh, Sandra. All part of the Doncaster Hill strategy, with no thought of the added traffic and parking that the extra apartments bring, and the council brings in the extra rate. So she's mad that the council's making money. That's their job. Kind of. They they want to make money, so don't really get. Especially, like, a part of Melbourne that's not, like, super... Well, like, there aren't, like, you know, loads of apartment buildings or yeah. anything like that. I guess maybe it is quite a shock for the locals to think about that. Whereas, like, for us, where we live... It's the norm. Who cares? You know, like, whatever. <laughs> it's just one of those things. I think I think the, uh, the locals not so keen on the Bunnings slash hotel. Yeah. But the other thing is, like, they probably only have interview... The people who want to speak up are the ones who are unhappy about it. That's true. That's true. You only um, hear from people who don't want it to happen because the people who are otherwise like, oh, yeah, cool. That's true. That's why I always say to you, like, I don't, I take reviews in general with a grain of salt because yeah. people who are happy don't bother going back and commentating on it. Yeah. It's always people who are mad yeah. that go, I'm going to tell someone about this. But anyway, we can look forward to our um, hotel slash buddings opening in the second half of 2021. Aren't you looking forward to it? No. <laughs> Sounds dumb. It really does. <laughs> but I mean, I guess good for them trying to think of something outside of the norm. I'm trying to, I'm trying to look at some positive in this situation. <laughs> well, my next story will be the New Zealand one. Comes to us from the New Zealand Herald.co.nz. Uh, written by Ginny Mortimer, and it was inspired by a night out of hers where she left behind a pink plastic cowboy gun and matching holster that was part of her outfit for the Christmas party. Okay, this sounds weird already. In an Uber. Boneless chickens and insulin pens. Strange things, kiwis leave in Ubers. Okay. So those of you who might be from overseas, uh, kiwi is what New Zealanders call themselves after their national bird. It's like how Australians 
refer to ourselves as Aussies. Yeah. So the same thing, but... I mean, we've all been there, distracted on an Uber on the way to a friend's place or an event or the airport, and I can agree with that. Yeah, so it's just weird things that New Zealand citizens have left behind in their Ubers. So yeah, usual things like keys and wallets, whatever, boneless chicken, unicycle, or anyway, a Anyway, boneless chicken. Boneless chicken. Oh, they said bonus chicken? No. Like, <laughs> bonus chicken. What, do, what, what, what does, like, <laughs> make chicken bonus chicken? <laughs> that other news story about the guy who bought a thousand chickens by mistake. They're all bonus chickens. <laughs> Um, okay, boneless makes so much more sense. Okay. So she got this information from Uber, which actually apparently releases lost and found indexes. Um, so these are the most unusual items, are the most common items Kiwis have haphazardly shut the door on between January and December of last year. Insulin pens. That, I think you need that. Yeah, Probably shouldn't be leaving that behind. It also highlights the worst day of the week for leaving things behind. Shockingly, it's Saturday. Of course. Everyone's yeah. drunk, getting yeah. in their Uber. Uh, 65 items on average left behind in an Uber on Saturday nights. That's a lot. Mm. And apparently the most forgetful day of the year is something called the Auckland City Limits Festival. Yeah, so Mark. Everyone's having a good time? Uh, yes, yeah. So these are the top most common items left in Ubers and some of the strangers. So we'll start with the most common. I'll start from the 10 to number 1. Okay. I mean, most common is not exciting. It's pretty much what you'd expect. Okay. So, at number okay. 10, headphones and or speakers. Oh, I mean, I'd be so mad if I left headphones in an Uber. I left an iPod behind in an Uber. Why? I'll never got it back. Fell out of my pocket. Uh, number 9 is your passport, which I think you should be taking better care of that. Yeah, that's pretty valuable. Umbrellas. Yeah, I can see that. Vape or e-cigarette. Aren't they pricey? Yeah. <laughs> Glasses. Oh, I would be so mad if yeah, I left that, that would be piss. in uh, an Uber. Uh, clothing items? I'm hoping they just mean like jackets and things. And not like underwear. Yeah. That'd be weird. Backpack, bag, luggage. Understandable. Keys? Wallet or purse? And then the most common things left behind are your phone slash camera. Well, I mean, you've lost a phone, so you can probably relate yeah. to that. <laughs> now to the more interesting list, which is the most unusual items left okay. behind. At number 10, a rocket. A rocket? Yes. Hang on, wait. Must be a small one. Reported right? missing, but never clarified as a toy or otherwise. Ah, uh, no. So it could, be, could be a rocket, it could be a toy rocket ship, it could be a firework, uh, a chef's professional knife set. So oh. you'd be skewing about that. Oh, yeah, cheap. they're expensive. <laughs> a unicycle. Okay. <laughs> if, if you have a unicycle, if you own one, it's it's your possession. How the fuck do you forget it? How do you, do you put it in the boot? Do you leave it in the back seat? Yeah, like. I would feel like that's an item that you wouldn't quickly forget that you had. At number seven, a single packet of butter. Like the little one you get in like a hotel? No, I'm or like more like actual, a block like, of butter. Like a kilo block of butter. A kilo block of butter, Jesus Christ. Well, they usually come, I don't know, I don't buy a block of butter. 200 grams, I think. Oh. <laughs> That's still a lot of butter. Yeah. Just to be like, what? Well, I just imagine it like sitting on its own in the back of a just, super seat. Yeah. <laughs> Strapped in. Uh, insulin pens, which we mentioned before. An FPOS machine. Okay, the entire machine. FPOS machine. Okay. Why did you take it in an Uber in the first place? I don't know. And to how would you forget it? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's not a thing that's so big that you'd put it in the boot and forget. How often do you, like, move one around as well? Well, I'm thinking they'd probably just mean, like, the little part that actually scans the card and you type the numbers in. So they're not huge. Or do they mean, like, an old school one where you used to, like, oh, scan it? <laughs> God, no. Surely not. We're pretty modern in New Zealand. Thank you very much. A handsaw. Where was he going? To work, hopefully. Two boxes of cream phone chargers. So not two chargers. Two, two boxes. boxes of cream chargers. Number two, an entire boneless chicken. An entire boneless chicken. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't say it was cooked or not. Yeah. And at number one, someone's be very upset, a Wellington student's graduate diploma. Oh, no, I hope they got it back to them because it has their name <laughs> on it. So you yeah. hope that they would. Yeah. Poor person. <laughs> I graduated. Woo! Get my Uber home. 
Damn. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. The uh, dumb shit. Found in Ubers. Okay. Only in New Zealand. Only in New Zealand. I'd love to know what Australia's list was. Probably look it up. There should be a new one coming out soon. Oh, uh, yeah. Maybe we should, uh, should try and find that. Might be interesting to see how different it is. Or similar. Or similar. I imagine the most common ones will be very similar. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that's probably, like, universal. Okay, so when I read the title of my next story, I thought it was fucking hilarious. As I read the story, not so hilarious, but still just weird, and I don't know why this happened. So I got this story from Nine News, and they credited it to Nine News staff. Who knows which one? I'm sure some great person at Nine News wrote the story, but... An intern. I just thought, like, Nine News staff, come on, at least name them. <laughs> I thought you said all your stories were from the Daily Mail. But I said they're all from Melbourne. Oh. I said they're all from the Daily Mail. <laughs> okay, so um, I feel so sorry for this man, but uh, a bag of human poo has been thrown at a Melbourne bus driver. <laughs> oh, no. So I, I read that headline and I'm like, oh, my God, what the fuck? Like, oh, my God, that's funny. It's not funny. Poor guy. Um, yeah, no, it's not funny job? at all. Uh, it splattered him in the face and got him in the eye. Oh, no. I guess because... You're not expecting a person to throw a bag of feces at you that you probably didn't shut your eyes. But yeah, this poor bus driver, I feel so bad for him. Um, so on November 13, so it was about a month ago, at 9.40pm, a man wearing high-vis clothing got on the bus, hurled the bag of poo, and, dra- and just ran off. What a shit cunt. Yeah, basically. I have so many questions, though. Why? Who Did he poop into the bag, or did he poop into a toilet and then put it in the bag? Was it his Why poop? did he have a bag of poo to begin with? Was it definitely human poop? They said it's believed to be human feces. It goes into uh, the consistency. Got a quote from Sir Sergeant Todd Little, um, and he says, The feces has gone all over the driver, and he believes that it's human feces. It is quite runny, so it is splattered mm. throughout the driver compartment and gone into his face and eye. So someone had a mad case of the runs, shat in a bag, and decided that it was a great idea to throw it at a bus driver. My other question is, did he know the bus driver? How could you Is know? this like a targeted attack? Did hard this to guy target. like you have to know his exact route and what time he's gonna get yeah. to that stuff. Or is it just a, a random thing of this'll be funny, let's do it. Was he drunk? What time of night was it? Nine forty. Not that late. Not that late. He's a tradie though, maybe he's been day drinking. Maybe. I still question how drunk you have how drunk you have to be to think that this is a great idea. So in addition to the poo, there were some small rocks found in there as well. So he wanted to hurt this guy. Or maybe he was eating rocks. Oh, gross. No. Well, how would you say that? Maybe they were kidney stones. In poo? Yeah. Why not? I don't think kidney stones come out in your poo, do they? You do it at the same time. Oh my God. Okay, whatever. <laughs> but like, I, I assume that he put the rocks in after. So he kind of wanted to do some damage here. He not only wanted to cover the poor man in poop, but he actually wanted to hurt him a little bit. Not not seriously, but a little bit. Why? That's, that's my big question of all of this. Why on earth would you do it? Do you have any theories? The only thing I can come up with is, you know, maybe they're a bit... There's something not right with that, man. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's what I was trying to think of how to delicately put just, that. I was just like, is he allowed to one of those poop joggers? Remember this? It's 9.40 at night and he's got high vis on. He's probably been at work all day. So maybe he's a relative with a poop jogger. <laughs> There's not just one poop jogger, there's a lot of poop joggers. Yeah. In Sydney and some other cities in Australia, there was incidences of... There's a lot of them. Yeah. Basically, people would go jogging, and halfway through their jog, they'd stop and shit on someone's property. Like, reliably. In in their garden or near their car. The same place every single time. Yeah. Eventually, they caught them. Every single one of them turned out to be, like, a high-profile member of some board. so weird. 
Um, I think they could probably just do it because fuck in, the peasants. In saying that, though, the poop joggers are at least pooping in a place. They're not throwing it at people. Yeah, exactly. But they're not throwing it at people. This person has had, well, it sounds like a bit of diarrhea. But you also know what the poop joggers aren't doing? They're just shitting and leaving and wiping that. Ew. They're going to run the rest of the way home. Oh, no. With a sweaty ass crack. With poop. Oh, no. But, I mean, I, that's the entire story. I just, I have questions that don't have answers. Um, I actually even I, I looked up... I think I could picture the guy in my head who would do this kind of thing. I have a photo of him. Not the guy, not the bus, the, the shit thrower. Yes. I have oh, a photo of show him. me. Um, so they caught him. No. This is just a photo from the CCTV in the oh bus. Oh, my God. So it's pretty unclear, but he doesn't... I have to, he just looks like a normal dude. Like Yeah, he looks like a banana in a pajama. He's wearing hypers. I know. Hoodie. But he just looks like a normal dude. Like I Yeah. I don't I don't understand. The only thing I can think of is that like, he knew this guy, this guy had done something to him and he really wanted to punish him for it. Yeah. The only other explanation I can think of is that he may be mentally ill. Or on drugs. Or on drugs. But again, how high or how mentally ill do you have to be to think that this is a good idea? Oh not very. No. We might, we might put the, because I actually did look up to see if there was any resolution where they did catch the guy, and I couldn't find anything, so we might actually put the photo on Twitter, just in case. If you know him, please report. Yeah, just in case someone knows him, you know, like, well, get some justice for that poor bus driver. It's quite good that your last story there was about shit, because so is mine. <laughs> good segue. Um, that wasn't deliberate at all. <laughs> ABC News brings us the story from a uh, Isabel Musali, I want to say her name is. Shit Towns of Australia Facebook competition met with horror and amusement. Hang on, wait. That's shit, not poop. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> shit Towns. I'm just going to read you the first line of this article. Okay. What do Kalgoorlie, Tennant Creek, Mount Gambier, Dubbo, Mount Isa, and Logan have in common? <laughs> I'm assuming they're shit towns. <laughs> um, out of those, I've only ever been to Dubbo. Um, I know of Tennant Creek. Uh, Mount Isa, I know what that is. Uh, I know where all these places yeah. are. I just Logan, I've heard lots of things about Logan. That's in Queensland, yeah. That's in Brisbane, basically. Yeah. It's, yeah. But yeah, out of all of those, I've only ever been to Dubbo. I've been to Dubbo as well. I'm not sure it's a shit town. There's just not a lot in it. But what they've got running is they're all in the running to be crowned Australia's shit town of the year, 2019. And I did go ahead before this started. I looked it up. I found out who won. Okay. So we're going to know at the end who won. I'll let you all know who okay. won at the end. Awesome. Um, yeah. So there's a Facebook page called Shit Towns of Australia. I looked it up. I've actually I got several... I to be a member of that. <laughs> Go join it. I've already got like three or four friends who are a part of it. Uh, but they've been conducting a series of polls to deliver the highest dishonour. So they're asking their members to vote on which is the shittest town in Australia. <laughs> I feel like this is only something that would happen in Australia. Yeah. Only in Australia would you vote on the shittest town. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a game that's following. They review Australian towns. They publish a barrage of the hate mail and compile a weekly list of the worst news stories from across the nation. Potential source, actually. Maybe we should mm, join that page. Maybe we should. It's a mixed bag. Some people are into it. They're like, yep, yeah, we want to be the shittest town. Yeah, no, I can totally see that. I can see people wearing that as a badge of honour. Uh, we got old mate here. The mayor of Kalgoorlie, John Bowler, has asked his residents not to engage with the page or vote in the competition over fears it would harm the city's reputation. I, mean, I, mean, I feel like I he has to say that. I didn't even know Kalgoorlie was in WA, so... Oh, really? Yeah. I knew it was Outback somewhere. <laughs> somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, there's a picture of that. That, that big part Doesn't in the middle. he look like the standard white corporate villain in a 90s movie? Abs- especially, like, what he's wearing. Yeah. Absolutely. Look at you can tell he's a member of the Australian government holding up his fucking mineral. Oh, God. Let's not start. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is a mining town. But still... <laughs> bit controversial at the moment. Quote, I just think it's another example of social media getting out of control. This is social media getting out of control? <laughs> are you kidding me? I you think should be thankful people are happen. talking about Kalgoorlie, goddammit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which is, I mean, here's the thing. 
Apparently in Kalgoorlie, they're attempting to fill 1,000 job vacancies, ranging from the mining industry to healthcare. Any publicity is good publicity, right? Those will be high-paying jobs, some of them, I was going to say, like, I feel like most people would laugh at this. Yeah. I feel like most people, like, especially Australians, would look at this and have a laugh. I don't think anyone would take this seriously. Yeah. He's like, we've got to attract all these families, but no one's got to live. When they see this, do they know it's a joke? I think that most people would. I think most people would as well. So then they've got a little snippet here from the uh, Shit Towns of Australia Facebook page. It's Shit Town Showdown, Q- QF3, I said quarterfinal three, I suppose. Ooh. It's a desert derby as Outback Gronk Nests, Kalgoorlie, and Tennant Creek, <laughs> not yet reviewed, face off for a spot in the semis. Which unsuitable shitscape is worse? <laughs> Vote now. And they've got a picture of Kalgoorlie, there's a big hole, and Tennant Creek. <laughs> That's great. Gronk Nests. Oh my god. Oh, oh, that is so good. I love it. Uh, the call to abstain from the vote comes after. Shockingly, residents in Kalgoorlie are embracing it. They, it. they want to be crowned. I love that they're embracing it. It's not like this big what? controversy. What else are you going to do out there in fucking Kalgoorlie? <laughs> we say as people who have never been to Kalgoorlie. <laughs> I know. This week to our long-term resident, Sarah Hinton. Uh, she's worked on marketing campaigns. And she said she's jumped on the bandwagon after being... Kalgoorlie is the only Western Australian town left in the competition. So not just Kalgoorlie, all of WA's <laughs> is on the line here, the shit town of Australia. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> quote, we thought we've got this far, why don't we take ownership of it and try to flip it around? Because I knew that people would come out in defence of our city. I think that's a really good point. Uh, and they've got like a picture of her here, next to local Kalgoorlie attraction, the world's tallest bin. World's tallest rubbish bin. Hang on, wait, that's their big attraction? That's one of their big att- bin. Big bin. Got the big banana. You've got Hupti Doo in the Northern Territory with their big boxing crocodile. They've got the big potato in the town where they filmed Babe. You've got the um, the big ram. Out in Goulburn now. Yeah. They took it from the town up to originally because no one went there and moved it to Goulburn. <laughs> Fuck off other town. Too bad. What is it with Australian towns and just wanting the biggest of something? They've got nothing else. They've got to bring people in somehow. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I just feel really bad for whatever town it was that the big merino used to be in. And they're like, you don't get enough traffic anymore. We're moving out the street to Goulburn. <laughs> And they put it on the back of a truck and rode it to Golden. It looked pretty funny. And I'll show you here. And they've got like the, um, so originally, everyone knows this emoticon. It's the poop emoticon. It was meant to be like a chocolate soft serve, apparently, originally. Everyone thought it was a shit though, so now it is just a shit emoticon. There they are. Oh my god, that's great. In front of the world's tallest bin. And it's a huge bin. That's gonna be like a good, what, 30 meters high? Jesus. I mean, I guess if you're gonna be known for something, why not be a big bin? That's it. Hold on, it's in it. Trash. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, she believes it'll lead to more interest and demonstrate that the locals can make their own fun. I like her. I think she's got the right attitude. Um, she's saying here, we've been a part of some marketing campaigns that have cost a lot of money and I'm yet to see results from those. So this one's for free. Yeah. And uh, it's probably working better. Yeah. Another <laughs> quote, we can tell people that we can have a laugh and there's actually quite a lot of things to see and do here. Uh, other attractions in Kalgoorlie is one of Australia's oldest working brothels. Well, I mean, it is the, the oldest job, isn't it? It is. So... It was apparently the subject, Kalgoorlie was the subject of comedian Tom Gleason's Go Away segment earlier this year. I don't know what he's on or what that is, but... Oh, he's a comedian. I know he's a comedian. I know who he is. Oh, okay. I don't know what that segment is. Oh, me either. Um, <laughs> I don't watch a lot of TV, though. No. But he's the one who pointed out the world's oldest working... Australia's oldest working brothel. It's a picture of it. It's bright pink and it's corrugated iron. Oh, my God. So they're, they're not hiding it, like, at all. It is out there. It's there. <laughs> Going on to claim, there are certain examples where other people have won awards like Most Boring Town. You can spend it into not a lot of great things happen, but no bad things happen here either. So it's a great place to raise a family kind of thing. So. <laughs> yeah, see, boring's not a bad thing. Uh, not always. I do spin for a living, but I don't know how I'm going to be able to spin shitty. <laughs> <laughs> you 
Yeah, so it's being viewed as a joke, but people are like, well, I mean, even if we do win, how do we shake that moniker of shittest town? Apparently one of the page's longest-running jokes is the weekly mention of the South Australian Port Pirie. I've heard of that before. Yeah. That's a place, right? Either for a particular news story or for just being still shit. (laughs) Uh, It's basically just a big port, inland port. South Australia? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so there's like that little weird chunk in South Australia. That like goes quite up inland, but like it's flanked the other side. It's like a bit of a gulf kind of thing. Okay. And um, it's up at the top of that. Port Pirie was actually defeated earlier in the competition, so it's not going to win it this year. Yeah, okay. Well. Um, but apparently there's a list of 60 cities and towns reviewed, and there's a book coming out. Um, the book will be published under the pseudonyms Rick Furphy and Jeff Rissol. I love it. I love it. Mr. Furphy said the Kalgoorlie Review was embraced by locals, and they Hang were on. confident that Kalgoorlians and have a great sense of humour. How can you believe someone with the name Furphy? That's the term. I don't trust him now. <laughs> uh, I guess for international listeners, Furphy's a lie. That's a slang word yeah. for a lie. <laughs> quote, then they close on a quote from old Furphy. Mayor John Bowler need not worry. Kalgoorlie's reputation for prostitution and big holes in the ground isn't going to be ruined by a Facebook poll. I mean, fair point. <laughs> um, so yeah, I did look it up. I went to their Facebook page to find out who the winner was. Yeah. And um, congratulations to Logan. Oh. Shittest town of the year, 2019. If if it's not referred to as Bogan Logan, I don't know what people are doing with their lives. Yeah. Scoring a massive 64% <laughs> with over 23,000 votes in the shit town showdown grand final against Mount Gambia, the Queensland Boganopolis of Logan <laughs> has officially won the title of shit town of the year, 2019. <laughs> Thanks to everyone who voted throughout the year. To all the other shit towns of Australia, better luck next year. I wonder how that the... That was posted uh... on the 11th of December. Any Logan viewers out there, congratulations. <laughs> I wonder um, how the people of Logan feel about that title. Probably not shocked. <laughs> I feel like they get a lot of shit. I mean, I've definitely... Everyone's heard of, heard of Logan. Of, like, yeah. Logan having a bad rep, basically. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's, that's all we got. That's a wrap. Oh, well, I'm getting up to leave. We better do the closing segment. I was going to say, you have to sit. We're going to be really <laughs> fucking loud. <laughs> that's right. Leave it in. They'll love it. <laughs> okay. So we survived the first real episode. Yes. How do you feel? Well, technically, that's like what our fourth episode now. Or? Yeah, we we fucked up before, so we've had to redo. <laughs> so, if you'd like to submit stories that you'd like us to cover on the podcast, give us some feedback or anything really at all, you can email us. us email us at and we're gonna fuck it up this time. You gotta get it right. F M E Dead Podcast at gmail.com. That's fuck. Well, F Me Dead Podcast at gmail.com. They wouldn't take fuck. Yeah, Google wouldn't let us put a swear in the in the email address. Absolute which, cowards. Yeah. Awful. Rude. Uh, or you can follow us on Twitter, and Twitter did let us swear. There yes. we are, fuck me dead pod. Um, that's all lowercase, I don't think it matters, but fuck yeah, me dead do pod. You can like. <laughs> F-U-C-K-M-E-D-E-A-D-P-O-D. Keeps up, we'll keep you up to date, rather, on when episodes are released. Uh, any stories we find that don't make the cut, especially like foreign news stories that are just hilarious. Yeah, or, like, there are some weird. really good ones outside of Australia, even though there are some brilliant ones inside Australia mm. uh, that we think are funny anyway that we might share. <laughs> Maybe one day we'll do a foreign, Maybe. foreign correspondent segment. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> Um, subscribe to for the time, leave us a review. You can find us on pretty much what any podcast platform you uh, like. So at the moment, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and Google. Google. So most of the big ones. I didn't know there was more than three, so fucking sick. <laughs> um, what have we got? Oh, there? and Stitcher. Sorry. <laughs> Whatever that is, we're on that too. Sorry. Uh, like, subscribe, that. ring the bell. This is not YouTube. <laughs> Top eight friends. Top eight friends. We're going back that far. So it's a MySpace. <laughs> did you even have a MySpace? I did. 
I have a feeling it would have been over by the time you're on though. Probably. <laughs> okay. Well, that's it. We're done. Woo! Hopefully next week I won't sound so amazingly. Yay! <laughs> okay, bye! Bye, Jim. Bye.